Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Untitled Theme Entertainment Design Show podcast. I'm Andy Garfield, and uh, guess who's back? It's Patrick Kling. Hey, everybody. It's Patrick Kling. Guess who's back? <laughs> what a great episode. And we have Trevor here. Trevor, you put together a quite an eclectic episode. I mean, this is quite a uh, personal thing for you. Yeah, personal so branding. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, yeah, as someone who's you know currently on the market, uh, you know intentionally job searching, like a lot of others out there, uh, this was something that I'm, I'm obviously passionate about, and thought that this could be really good to go into a you know two week deep dive talking about um, how to uh, best practices, basically good advice, how to find um, how to find work, and how to best present yourself for that work. I thought it was a really great couple of shows and I, I think it's going to help a lot of people. And I learned a lot myself too. You know, I've been freelance for my entire adult life for, for the most part. And, you know, I've applied for a couple of, you know, real jobs in quotes. Uh, yeah. And I know I've screwed, screwed it all up based on our conversations today. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, so like friend me on LinkedIn because I'll be there a lot more. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is it's like, I've never been hired off of a job board yeah. in this industry. The only, the only, the only job I applied to that I got off of a job board was with Lenny Larson at Next Generation Creative. I, I think I applied for like a coordinator position. That was a volunteer position with the Theas. Other than that, never been able to get through a job and make it with, and I've gotten interviewed. Um, so that's all to say. It's all about networking, who you know, and and, and I don't want to say who you know is a bad thing. It's just we're going to give you a lot of tips on how to be in the know and be connected and be fresh in people's minds. And it's very valuable information. So Trevor, great questions, great curation. Uh, we hope you all enjoy it. And we hope to see you next time too. Please make sure you follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, stay in touch, engage with us. We're great content to share out to the world, provide value to people. Everybody, how's it going? It's great. How are you, Trevor? Welcome. Pretty good. Andy, you're still muted. <laughs> well, anyways, hey, while he's unmuted, Patrick, how was your week? Oh, my week, week was fantastic. It's great to be back. I've been on a little hiatus for several months from as I was saying when control. I was as I was saying muted. when I was muted. Welcome back during Patrick. the dead air. <laughs> How's everybody doing out there in TETV land? Good. We're doing good. For applause. Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it's great to be back. We have a great topic today. I'm so excited. Personal branding. I must say, I was watching that show that um, you all put together last week, and I thought it was a really fantastic and informative show. I was sorry to have missed it and was not able to be a part of that um, due to baby, baby stuff. But um, congratulations on such a great show for those We'll put the we'll put it drop it in the comment section or something. Go back and watch that. This is kind of a part two, right, Trevor? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, as I had said last week, the the conversation with our panel of, of freelancers was kind of to start the dialogue of you know what are some of the questions and obstacles that as freelancers we're dealing with in 
the present job market in how to go about looking for work, networking and what have you. And I feel like we got some good, uh, we shared some good uh, wisdom and advice among the entire group, but also I feel like um, we still kind of left with some, some question marks uh, for ourselves. So that was the idea going into now this show of having uh, someone on as a professional who works in uh, hiring and recruiting to actually, um, probably get some answers to those remaining questions and some more advice because I definitely can use some more. <laughs> Great. Well, before we jump into the show, uh, what, what's what's the, the world in review and themed entertainment? Uh, Andy, take it away. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, today was uh, the announcement of the return of the submarine voyage featuring Finding Nemo at Disneyland, California this July, this summer. So later this summer, we'll get the revamped version of that. Um, hopefully with uh, new projector lamps would be great. And mm. um, I'm sure that that's the case. And some, some new characters and new effects and things like that. So would be cool. The arrival of the Disney Wish in uh, Orlando or, or uh, Port Canaveral for its uh, maiden voyages, which I believe are this weekend um, for right. cast members. So that uh, that's very exciting. So, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, what else was there? Oh, the uh, the announcement of Cedar Fair uh, announcing the closing of Great America uh, over the next uh, ten to eleven years or so, which is a long time. But you know, um, our producer Charlie alerted me that uh, apparently they'd sold the land and the lease is going to be up soon. So, you know, I think we'll probably see uh, a bunch of uh, auctioned off coasters uh, somewhere else mm. in the world. <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting part. So, sorry, go ahead, Trevor. Say, <laughs> so break out your checkbooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, I, I Paging Jason McManus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coasters yeah. for these coasters for his backyard. They'll probably end up in like Vietnam somewhere, or maybe Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, the uh, I actually used to go to that park. I mean, you know, every now and again, like I I I, I lived in Southern California, so I'd do a little coaster trip to go to Great America, and then go to uh, Valencia or not Valencia the. Vallejo, which is where they had the Six Flags Discovery Kingdom, whatever they're calling it, and um, they're fun parks. So you know that when I went there, they were actually Paramount parks. Still, I've been, I only have been there when there were Paramount parks, and you know they had all the Nickelodeon IP, and, and they actually had all the like you know Top Gun and, and all those types of things at the time, um, and that was really fun. And then what's interesting about going to those is that that the Great Adventure Park was actually originally Marriott's Great Adventure, and it was Marriott's Great Adventure at um in in actually six flags great adventure which exists outside of chicago so they're very similar parks so it's kind of like going to like a weird dream where things are similar but kind of different um they just got bought out by different companies so um you know our, our thoughts and prayers to the, <laughs> the the employees of of uh you know six flags great adventure Exciting well, when i worked on it i worked on it in 2005 i did the music and sound for the survivor the ride yeah. Uh, that 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 big disco coaster they had the inter with the interactivity to it, where like the stomping and the yelling and whatnot. Great so America, I keep saying Great Adventure, but Great America. Sorry about that. Uh, so uh, with that, before we move on, just a little bit of housekeeping. I'm wearing an AOA hat. Uh, I did get one free from them. I will wear any hat anybody gives me for their company. It's free advertising. <laughs> um, I, and I've done a lot of great work with them for um, TEA and things like that. So. Um, I'm, I'm always about wearing hats. Um, Andy and Trevor, anything else before we bring on our guests? No, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'll, no, uh, I think I've been, we've been corrected as Great America. 
Yeah, Great America. I, I was messing that up. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I right. say Great Adventure. Great Adventure does exist, but that's actually outside of New Jersey. Yeah, because yeah, I just got a text from Damien about that. He's watching the show and he's texting me. <laughs> Being fact checked in real time. Live, live fact checking. Thank you, Damien. No. <laughs> Who are we? Who are we? Uh, and <laughs> let's get to our show. Let's get to the guests. Let's bring on Robin. It. There she is. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hi, Robin. Hey. Thank you for coming on the show so much. We're really excited to uh, to talk with you today about this uh, very interesting topic. Thank you guys so much for having me. I was watching backstage and I could sit here and listen to you guys just get back and forth all day, I think. So oh, thanks again for having you. me. <laughs> oh, no, that was highly unscripted. So yeah, uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome to your TETV debut. I actually thought you'd been on the network several times, but I was mistaken. Do you want to give us a little a bit of a bio, who you are, what you're up to, and and then we'll kind of dive into this very casual discussion about personal branding? Yeah, great topic for today. So I'm very excited to jump into it. But just a little bit about me. I'm Robinette Eckers. Um, I go by Robin or Robinette. So feel free to reach out to me via the usual methods um, on LinkedIn um, or at my current company, which is Animax Designs right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I've been in HR actually for about 16 years. I joined the Animax team uh, during uh, COVID in November of 2020 as the director of HR, responsible for all things from uh, recruiting and hiring and staffing uh, to, you know, just regular HR things, uh, compensation, um, employee relations, you know, making sure we have a pretty good culture. So, um, but yeah, I've, I've worked in many industries. And I feel like I am finally in, in my home industry with themed entertainment. So I absolutely love it. Completely passionate about it over the last year and a half, um, working with uh, amazing people uh, like you guys, um, also people from Big Break Foundation like Monet. Um, just, you know, over these last two years, it's, it's just been an exciting ride um, doing HR, what I know, what I love. Uh, for themed entertainment, and I hope I'm here forever. So that's mm -hmm. just a little bit about me. I am married with two children, um, originally from Arkansas. Um, go Razorbacks, although they lost in the national championships to Ole Miss twice. Um, I'm very sad about that. My husband, <laughs> he played for Ole Miss. So <laughs> but congratulations to that team for winning it all. So in baseball, that is. <laughs> mm -hmm. What well, is I'm very excited to have you here to learn so... about. Sorry. Uh... Trevor, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, battle you for it. Well, I was just going to ask, like, because uh, you said that you feel like themed entertainment is your home industry now. Like, what is it about it that you're like, oh, this is this is what feels like the right fit? The passion of the people who have lived in this industry pretty much their whole lives from college all the way through their careers. Um, what I realized when I joined here in um, Nashville in, in Animax is, and I come from an industry um, and it's manufacturing, so I'm, I'm not I'm not throwing any shade to, to that industry, but I had to come up with processes and plans where people where I had to incentivize people just to come to work and do their jobs where they're just building widgets. So there's nothing really exciting or, or you know, motivating that just makes them want to come to work right outside of the paycheck that they're receiving. And I had the exact opposite experience here. And hmm. that was a first for me. Like, it just blew my mind. I don't have to like make people come to work. <laughs> like, what is this world? I love it. And so, you know, when you get to, to build something um, similar to what we, you know, get to build and you go out and you see that, 
in uh, an exhibition or you see that at a museum or you see that in a themed uh, entertainment park. It's it's just it's enlightening. It's just it's it's tangible. You can go touch it. You can go see it. You can go uh, experience it. And the people here who do this work every day, we would not be able to do what we do without them. And their passion is the one thing that by far has just blown my mind for this industry. So that's why I feel like I'm at home because I've always felt the same way about HR. Right? I know HR can sometimes not be. Uh, the most fascinating uh, uh, industry, but I I love people and I love helping people and I've always been a people person. So to me, to marry these two, HR, what I love, what I know, and themed entertainment with such passionate, amazingly talented people has just been a, a dream for me. So I guess that's why I feel like I'm at home now. Welcome home. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to learn more about what you do and HR because, like, I've been freelance for my entire adult life, and I think I've, I can count on, you know, one hand the number of months that I've worked for a company besides myself. So, like, the whole HR pers uh, perspective of themed entertainment is sort of a black hole for me. I don't know much about it or how it works or uh, all the nuances or anything like that. So, I'm excited to learn more about that today. Good deal. All right. Well, Trevor, you know, you really were, this was your baby. Why don't you kick us off with some questions yeah. and then we'll have a little bit of a roundtable discussion. Yeah. Well, uh, so admittedly, I, in the few minutes before we started, I started kind of putting together like all the thoughts I've been kicking around in my head the last week. And I wrote down a pretty good outline here. Um, it might be a bit ambitious to get through in the time that we have in front of us, but um, if we can, let's, we'll get cracking here. So uh, to start a little easy, kind of dip our toes in simplest things, um, resume tips, um, you know, rules, guidelines for that. Um, and again, this is all under the guise of like personal branding, like how to best present ourselves. So in this instance, on one sheet of physical or digital paper, what are some really good uh, tips for resumes? And then building off that, I want to touch on also like if you're uh, for those of us that are artists, um, portfolio tips. Uh, mm -hmm. And then even personal uh, websites that have our resumes in our portfolios. Yeah, one so question, like, not 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, this I, is act I, one. I, I got a lot no. more. <laughs> I can see the wheels. I can see the wheels. And honestly, yeah. all of that kind of, um, it goes together, especially in this industry. So it's very important. And I'm, I'm actually glad that you said that. And don't worry, I can follow. So um, okay, cool, cool. from a resume perspective, it is uh, it's critically important to to brand yourself on your resume, right? First, you need to make sure that you know who you are just from an overall general branding perspective. Know who you are, know who your audience is, know what you're targeting, who you're targeting, what your target audience is. Once you know those things, I feel like you will uh, put yourself in a better position to brand your resume accordingly. Um, and not even just your resume, but also your LinkedIn profile. Those things should be very intertwined and interchangeable, and they should have very similar information while always highlighting something new about yourself. And so when I think about um, the resume that catches my eye, right, it's the one that is uh, very poignant, um, that is very clearly defining what it is that you're looking for, that shows me not necessarily in a ton of detail, like I was, you know, this um a presenter for this company and I did XYZ. I don't need to necessarily know all those details. I need to uh, kind of be wowed, right, as the employer um, from the very beginning. Like, 
do something catchy. Make sure you're you're figuring out a way to set yourself apart from everybody else because everybody else already has those those boxes that they're ticking off or checking on their resume that lists the work that they've done. But honestly, that needs to be discussed during an interview. Like show me high level what you've done, but make sure you are branding yourself accordingly. Uh, for example, if you are a animation technician and you've worked on many of those things before, list you know very high level some of the things that some of the shows that you've worked on, so that we can get into a dialogue during the interview about those things and what you're responsible for. Don't tell me exactly what you did uh, for each you know each day. Um, that's not necessary, and it's no reason you should never put that type of information on your resume. Um, and then if you want to go past your resume um, and, and go into like your website and, and other things like that, that stuff should mimic what you're going to see on your LinkedIn profile and what we should have already seen on your resume. So it needs to flow very intentionally from one to the other. Again, you can go into a lot more detail on a personal website and we can actually see the work that you're doing. So make sure you are giving yourself credit for the work that you're doing and you are explaining those things and showing pictures and um, and sharing that information. If you have a video of you producing something or walking through your process, that is always a really big um, like eye catcher for any recruiter or any hiring manager. If they can see the work that you're doing on a day to day basis right there on your website, it's a no brainer for us. And that's easy information to also share across the board, especially when you're trying to get others who may be going through that interview process with you to agree that this is the perfect candidate for the position. So all of those things need to link link and um, and and be interchangeable. So and, and I'll okay. kind of add to that a few things, uh, you know, um, I've, I've reviewed a lot of resumes and I always oh, I hate being on the full screen here. Just to have everybody else here, too. Um, I <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> Imagine what you want the person on the other side of the room to do. Um, sorry, is it really echoing? Let me just try to get closer to my mic here. Is that better? All right. No? Yeah, better. Okay, let me just the game. Okay, I'm going to hunch over here. Um, I'm going to, in a perfect world, you're going to get a resume or you're going to, someone's going to say, hey, uh, I'm looking for a project manager or I'm looking for a, a show producer or I'm looking for a production designer or an artisan or whatever. And in a perfect world, you know, somebody can really in a moment say, oh, I remember meeting, let's say Trevor and go to your website and pull your resume off in two seconds and send it. And they, don't, they may even not even contact you. And so for me, I think it's really important to have all your uh, information on your resume in regards to who are you and what are you about? Um, so if you're applying onto a, a website where it's some sort of crazy um, AI machine, you know, we all, we know, we touched on that last week or you guys all did. Um, but if I'm forwarding that email off to somebody and I'm saying, hey, I know Trevor, he's a great guy. Here's his resume. Um, I recommend putting some sort of a summary or an objective statement at the top of your resume that says, hey, I'm Trevor. I've done this. I've come from the world of, of uh, you know, touring performance and now I'm doing X, Y, Z um, so that in a, and I don't have to write some sort of preamble on, on my email when I send it off to, you know, a person who's looking for somebody. It's just already baked in. Um, and that's also a, a way for you to. Um, express yourself a little bit um, and it's not you know you're not writing a novel but at least it's a little bit of like where do you want to go so I always tell students as well it's like hey I'm a student studying this I'm interested in this that and the other uh, and then where do you think your career is going like you can't say I want to be a creative director after a month but you can at least say I'm kind of on this route or I excel in this and 
Uh, I've, I've always thought that, thought that was really productive as opposed to like a cover letter, which is a little too much. And then you have to customize for each job. So highly recommend that for your standalone. And then make sure you have your email accessible. Um, I know that it can be kind of annoying to have your email address on your website because it gets blocked, but um, that happened a lot recently. I was looking for people's emails address, can't find them. Um, and people don't check their LinkedIn enough. Um, and people, I will tell you, people are missing out on work by putting up too many barriers um, for their stuff. If, you, if you're worried about somebody hijacking your email, create an email address that's just for your website. That's info at trevor.com or whatever it is. Because uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's just trying to get as little friction as possible whenever anybody's trying to get a hold of you. Um, so sorry, back to you, Robin, if you have anything to add to that or disagree. No, no, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And just to kind of piggyback a little bit on um, like the summary, like you said, keep it short and sweet. Please do not add like um, a paragraph. Um, keep it very short to the point. And honestly, it's okay to have a few versions of a resume um, that may have, you know, the bulk of the same information, but maybe you're changing your summary around just a little bit, depending on the company or the role that you're trying to, you know, attract uh, for yourself. So keep it to two to three sentences max um, and uh, cover letters. People don't read them. So let's yeah. don't even go there. I don't read them. I'll be very honest. I haven't read a cover letter in <laughs> So I know, like confessions of a hiring manager. So it's not a bad thing to not include the optional cover letter, like on the, you know, um, on the websites, like on the career hubs where uh, a machine's reading everything. It's, it's, if it's the cover letter is optional, it's not going to be a demerit to not attach one. I have never utilized it as a demerit. And I don't believe that those, those um, even the AI systems are programmed to remove your, your uh, consideration from that. If you have some of those keywords uh, that they're looking for um, through their algorithm in your resume, you will still get picked up uh, with no mm. problem. So. And, and unless you're, if you're going for like a, a show writer position, maybe so, but if not, just your resume is going to do a good, do it, well. And, yeah, it, and, it, it cuts straight to the point. There's no reason for all of that. I don't like it. I, I made I made all of the mistakes. <laughs> um, I, so last year I applied for this job at Disney that was basically head of music for WDI and all parks and resorts around the world. And like there's like I'm one of like maybe five or six people that's actually qualified to do that job. Um, and so I don't have a traditional resume. I didn't even know where to start because like I've just done like dozens and dozens of different projects for different companies all over the world for the last 25 years. So what I did is I uploaded my two page list of credits and a cover letter and I didn't get anything from anybody back from that at all. <laughs> and I learned later that, um, yeah, that's not how you do it. And like, I didn't even get through the the algorithm or the AI thing at all because my resume wasn't formatted traditionally. And, you know, my cover letter probably didn't have any of the buzzwords in it that it, that yeah. it needed to see. So, yeah, I probably didn't even get considered for that job. And I found out later. So, well, uh, too bad for them, right? When it comes to that. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start with to how to, how, I mean, I have a, a list of credits that's two pages long, and I've heard that basically your resume should be one page unless you're going for CEO or mm -hmm. something like that. And, um, you know, I wouldn't even know where to start, you know, to like put together a resume for myself. It's just I have my website and list of credits, and like that said, I wouldn't even know what to do. You know, um, people say one page unless you're like, high up. But honestly, I think for certain um, 
positions in industries, it's very custom to have multiple pages. You, you don't want to go past two, though. So yeah. if you can maybe get that information on two pages, it is absolutely fine. I will review a two page resume uh, just as easily as I will a, a one page or so. Not a problem with two pages. Just kind of. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. And, and, and Andy, and this kind of applies to a lot of people, uh, you know, how do I handle, I've worked on a dozen projects, I've worked on tons and tons of uh, experiences, and how do I get that on a resume? And I can only speak to my experience of, um, which has been successful, I don't know, um, is putting a portfolio together of some sorts that at least has flashy images of all the products you've been on and, you know, listing your roles and what you did. For Andy, that could just be, you know, what, 100, or your probably your e-ticket top attractions that you've done music for, summarize on a, on a portfolio that you submit. Uh, and then your, you know, your resume can be that one page of, Hey, you know, did about this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and just your skill set. Uh, but yeah, it's a neat, neat challenge. Um, and then just, um, we have another question here. We can bring up, um, if recruiters are not reading cover letters, how are you supposed to differentiate yourself and communicate who you are without a lot of experience? Um, does that mean you don't have experience? Um, if you want to clarify that comment, but we'll, we'll kind of talk about that here, Robinette. Yeah. Oh, over to you. No, and I, and I think it's kind of some of the things that we've kind of already hit on, right? Um, and again, I'm, I'm confessing what I do. I don't read cover letters, right? That doesn't mean that every hiring manager does not read a cover letter. Um, so if that's something that makes you feel comfortable, um, please continue to do that. I don't want to downplay cover letters. I just don't read them. So I'm being very honest, very transparent. Um, but there are many ways that you can set yourself apart. And I feel like the con overall conversation about branding is one of those things. Um, when I get a really great resume, I the first thing I'm going to do is go to LinkedIn, to be completely honest. I need to see if that information that I'm reading on that resume is consistent with what you're presenting socially. So I'm going to go right to LinkedIn and I'm going to review that information. And if there's discrepancies, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do exactly. It depends on the position and the priority and all of that good stuff. But I need to see those two things living in the same space and marrying one another. So um, that's a great way to go into a lot more detail about your experience, um, especially if you, let's say, are a student and you've maybe only done internships or worked on specific projects. You can go into a lot of detail on LinkedIn about those projects and you can even link your own website um, to those. And then that will give us another avenue to learn even more information about you. So you can create these different places um, that's what I've seen that has been very successful. That's what I've done in the past for myself. So um, I think that's a great avenue to kind of set yourself apart. And, and I'll, I'll just kind of add to that. Um, yeah, they, they recover cover yeah. letters from Natalie Spencer. A lot of them do require it. That's yeah. a great question. And yeah, um, just to move on from the cover letter for just a moment, you know, one, one top tip I, I give, especially in our creative field, is that a resume can really tell a lot about you and a little about you just in the way that you design it for lack of a better phrase. So if you're a graphic designer, an art director, you're a, any person that's on the creative side of things and architecture, I, I expect that your resume is going to be very well organized and the level of, of organization and, and aesthetically pleasing goes up to a graphic designer where your job is to convey complicated things in a very, you know, straightforward way. Uh, and I've seen, I mean, I've seen graphic design resumes that are complete messes. And it's like, that's your first impact on a person is a potential hiring person for now or down the line is how you present that information. So 
it's it's almost it's almost its own piece of art where you should go and do your design now look if you're project manager or whoever i mean me i, I actually just pulled the template off of the internet as long as it looks well good well looks good looks well looks good you can get by but if it's if it's disorganized things are all over the place you know you have a margin here things are going around there it's like just don't get your information lost in in, in your design um robin have you probably experienced that because you know in your crave studio where you get resumes you're like what the heck is this oh my gosh so much <laughs> and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head though if i'm looking for a creative director or a designer i do anticipate and expect that resume to have a little bit more jazz to it, a little bit more oomph, you know um but then when i am looking for a project manager or i'm looking for a coordinator or someone uh, a position that maybe doesn't require a hefty amount of experience i do have a tendency to um, expect that to be a a very simple uh, but effective uh, resume that I, I need to review. It still needs to uh, transcribe uh, the information and the experience that you've, you've worked um, and give me a reason to, to really look to see if you're someone I want to have a conversation with, I want to have a chat with. And there yeah. are different ways that you can do that. Um, don't get me wrong. There are these companies out there that will charge you an arm and a leg to help you to create all of these amazing resumes. And they will also do some work on your LinkedIn site. Like you can go that that route if you want. But I really feel like especially within our industry that you can save that money and do a lot of that leg work yourself. Yeah. Um, we work in a very creative industry and there are so many examples and samples of that already out there if you simply Google it. Um, and so I would just encourage, especially people who are just now trying to get into the industry and may not have a ton of experience, do a little of that legwork yourself, save yourself a few dollars um, and use that to, to, to leverage yourself and land yourself your, 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 your first amazing career within this industry. And, and just kind of start, go ahead. Uh, or even like throw a few bones to your graphic designer friends to help you, you out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and probably the final tip I'll give um uh, is, you know, you might be saying, hey, I don't even know where to start with my resume. And the amount of information out there, and we'll probably touch on this later, that you people have access to now is ridiculous. So you can go on LinkedIn, find somebody who's a creative, find the person that's 10 years ahead of you, find their website, find their information, find their resume, and then just start modeling yours after where you want to go. So they're already kind of categorizing yourself in that. I started doing that um, a long time ago. I was like, oh, I, I got my hands on a creative director's resume. And, and now things are much more public. That was a little bit more secretive. Uh, and you can find it on LinkedIn, people's websites, all that kind of stuff. SliceCreativeNetwork.com. You can see people's portfolios. Yes. Everyone, everything's public. Go, go ahead, Robinette. No, you. I'm so glad you said that because that made me think of another very free resource. Even just within Microsoft Word, they will, you can say, I want to build a resume. There are templates that are right there that are completely free. You can say, I want to build a creative designer uh, resume, and it will pull those things and give you examples of words that are being used for those successful resumes, phrases that are being used. And it's all a very, it's free. It's literally right there. So right there in Microsoft Word, please, please, please. And just, you know, do your research, take your time, it's okay if you get it wrong the first time. Keep trying, and um, you'll you'll be able to master this in no time. See, it's been a while for me. Does Clippy still come up and say, "Looks like you're trying to do a resume"? <laughs> 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 so what do we have next? 
<laughs> well, I was going to ask one, the last question I wanted to ask about that is, and this is just because this is what I'm I'm personally dealing with right now is um, how do you handle gaps in employment on a resume, especially coming out of the pandemic right now? You're a freelancer for all that time. <laughs> so you were working for me. It's fine. I'll come for a Robin, sorry, go over to you. No, no, that's actually not a bad suggestion, right? Um, no, you know, I think there's a lot of people, right, dealing with exactly that. And I believe companies have a lot of work to kind of catch up on that side of things. Um, companies have to be a little bit more flexible with employees, especially given the fact that we just went through the worst thing that most of us have gone through in our lives. Um, all collectively together. And so we should anticipate that there will be gaps and that there will be layoffs and unexplained um, absences from this company and that company. And so I feel like companies have a lot of work when it comes to that. But how do you as the employee explain it? Be honest. I can't say that enough. Just be honest. I'm not looking for the perfect person who has all the right answers to every question. I'm looking for a person who is going to be transparent who is going to keep it real, who wants to come back and go to work. Um, and if you simply tell me whatever happened, um, I'm pretty sure we will be able to work with you. And you want to make sure you are first applying to companies that uh, are people centric, because if they are people centric, then they will be OK with whatever that explanation is. Um, I've been let go from a company before. And it terrified me when it happened. This was a while ago, of course. And I was like, I'm ruined. What am I going to do? How will I explain this to my next employer? And I just told the truth about what happened. I didn't throw that company under the bus. I simply said, this is what happened. This is what I thought was going to happen. But this is the result that this happened. And my employer, um, my future employer at the time was like, I appreciate that honesty. Here's an offer for a job simply because I told the truth. So just be honest. I can't keep it simpler. I mean, that's the, the most simple answer I can give you for that. Do you, and that's great advice. I think one thing that's kind of weird now is just the, so we all know that the blip happened is what I'm calling it, the blip and the pandemic and the everyone, you know, yeah. entire industry basically got laid off and, and now kind of things are coming back. How do you handle knowing your worth and not undervaluing yourself when, you know, I'm making zero dollars today and then a company comes at me with a low ball offer, but that's more money than I would have made not working. You know, any, anything about negotiation tactics when you're basically coming from a job to a job? Never accept the first offer. Never, yeah. Never. <laughs> Never. You, you should always go into the negotiation, even if it's above what you were anticipating hearing mm -hmm. from them or what you may have listed. Uh, but let me back up. In, in the interview process, it is critical that you explain what your expectations are for that role um, and the salary expectations. So you need to do some research before you even have your interview, especially when you're talking to someone in HR, because that question is going to come up. Every every interview that I'm going through, I ask the, in the potential um, candidate or potential employee, what is your expectations from a salary perspective? And a lot of times they'll counter my question with a question of their own, but well, what's the range for the position? So you have this unique back and forth dance where you're going. Know your worth before you have that interview. You don't allow the company to tell you where you need to be. You need to know where you need to be 
what you need financially, whether that's salary bonus, put your total compensation package together for what you need, not for that company. And then be transparent and honest with them about that. And then have a real conversation, especially with the the HR professional, about whether or not your range fits into the range that they have approved for this position. They're going to be very, they should be very honest with you and they should say it either does or it doesn't. So I would feel much better that I'm in a position where I know what to expect so that I am armed with that. And And I know if I want to continue to be considered for this position or not. So be honest negotiate even after you get the offer. Um, Never accept the first offer. Um, Even if that means you're going to go back and say, well, I just need an extra week of PTO or something like that. Like always ask for something um, because Mm -hmm. if you don't ask, you don't have it. So what's the harm in doing it? And all they can do is say, no, my offer is what it is. So, Mm -hmm. you know, either take it or leave it. So always, always negotiate, know your value going in and create your own uh, salary range and expectation. Don't let the company decide what that needs to be for you. Got it. Go, cool. I'm realizing now as we're about to switch to the next thing that um, I just remembered business cards. That's a whole other thing, but we can touch on that a little, little bit when we get to the networking aspect. But just yeah. like as a brief anecdote about that, I had like, I, I called somebody asking for hopefully like five minutes of their notes on my business card. And we ended up going back and forth for a solid hour, <laughs> basically redoing my entire card. And I'm, it's, it's great with, how it looks now, but that's, that's a whole class in and of itself of how to fit everything on, you know, three inches by an inch and a half. But anyway, we have a quick question from Natalie. Um, Robinette, can you ask for a base salary plus bonus to each reach your target? Absolutely. I think that is a great negotiating tool uh, because sometimes companies are set when it comes to their budget for a position, but they may have a little bit of flexibility when it comes to bonuses because typically bonuses are linked to KPIs and, you know, like the work that's going to be done. And, it, and and there's a little bit more discretion there. Um, and it's hard to kind of solidify exactly what that's going to be. So I think that is a great question, Natalie. Thank you for asking that. Always come in uh, with your base salary and then a bonus uh, expectation as well. And that can definitely help you meet your reach your goal. Cool. And it's also going to show that employer that you've done your your research if you come in that way. So that's impressive just to, to mm-hmm. have in general. Right on. Well, now going on to the next thing and realizing that we spent as much time as we did on resume tips and such. We, we got no, 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 no. We needed that. That actually was that was awesome. I always actually taking notes over here of things that I want to do after this conversation. Don't to, worry, um, you can invite me here there. every other week. Out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's let's keep this let's keep this train moving. Um, now this is going to get a little uh, kind of a little personal. Well, very personal. Haha, uh, for personal branding. Um, when it comes to something like a uh, candidate, but then ideally even like as an employee, personal appearance. And then mm-hmm. off of that, also just like their personality, like we were talking about in our prep meeting, like if you're someone who is an artist and you work with like sculpting foam models all the time and like you're just naturally like that, like, you know, you can look like, you know, a Woodstock hippie and that's totally mm-hmm. fine because that's your personality. That's your brand. But then also on the other side of that, like what happens when it's someone who maybe that's what they how they feel most comfortable, but also they need to be pulled into a client meeting. So this is the free for all, something that I know next to nothing about. You adults go, I'll listen. <laughs> uh, so I guess you guys want me to go first as the guest. Um, so I'll be honest. Um, and we, we did talk about this in our uh, pre-meeting. 
um, I feel like companies still have a lot of work when it comes to, to, to this topic. Um, and I feel very passionate about that. I want people to be able to come to work um, their most authentic selves. Um, so if you are more comfortable in a grungy T-shirt and jeans um, and you're coming in to fill a uh, financial analyst position for me, <laughs> I am going to hear you out. I'm going to look at your resume and I'm going to make my assessment from there. Um, but don't get me wrong. It is, you know, sometimes you're client facing or, um, you know, um, public facing and, and those things are equally important. Um, but I and, and I think, you know, like knowing what that line is and being receptive uh, to any feedback around that is what's most important. Um, applying that feedback sometimes when needed. Um, but I think companies have a lot of work when it comes to that. Here at Animax, we actually have a pretty uh, general um, uh, policy around personal appearance. Don't get me wrong. There are things that uh, employees have to do, like wear safety shoes when they're working on certain areas within the facility. But we want our employees to be able to come here and be who they are. If if there is something that they're passionate about, um, of course, this is uh, the month of pride. And so you, you walk into our shop and I, I love it. If you feel like you come alive here because you'll see someone with rainbow hair or you'll see someone in suspenders that are um, every color uh, of the spectrum that is out there. And we celebrate those things here. And so it's just refreshing to see. I have worked in industries where that was absolutely not the case. So you have to know your industry. You have to know the companies that you are researching and what their motto or value is around these things um, so that you go in armed with that information. Um, but again, I still feel like companies have a lot of work when it comes to those things. We try not to get into they can wear this versus that as long as it's not offensive. And you have to be even careful with that these days because there's a lot of stuff that is offensive that sometimes you don't know is um yeah it's it's kind of it's it's up in the air so i i feel a little different i think than other uh people in other industries when it comes to appearance i want you to come to work and be who you who you're going to be because the job that you're going to do isn't reflective in the clothes that you're wearing and look i'm i'm here talking to you guys with the hair with the hair wrap right i want to be able to feel like i am comfortable enough to come to work with my afro out with my dreads or my locks or my braids or my wrap and you're you should still expect the work the amazing work that i'm going to give you in my day to day and that should be what matters not necessarily what outfit i'm wearing or what my hair looks like i have a friend uh who's uh just starting an internship with a big time accounting firm uh multinational accounting firm and they had a huge zoom call with like a hundred of these you know young interns and like most of the questions were about dress code and like everyone was just one like well can i wear jeans and a t-shirt can i wear a sweatshirt can i wear hoodies and like eventually like the people holding the like hosting the zoom call were just like oh my god just wear whatever you want we don't care just <laughs> unless <laughs> unless you're meeting with a client just we don't care right, right. yeah i i i uh, have some personal comments and thoughts about that so i i kind of went on the um i've been all around the board on that um personal appearance essentially i think the best thing to think about is that you know you never first off when you're going to a new job you want to get the lay of the land you know i think you want to show up and never wear anything that's going to be it's going to be just no one's going to question what you're wearing so 
uh, you know, for when I interviewed for like the first position, I had Nickelodeon. I'm sure I wear a button up and wearing pants. I'm not overdressed. You don't want to look ridiculous. You're not showing up with a suit uh, to a creative, you know, position. Um, but you're also not being disrespectful. You just blend in. No one's going to question it. And then you start to feel it out, and you start to feel okay. Well, what are other people wearing? Oh, okay, this is a creative office, and this person over here is wearing this. This person over here is wearing that. And then you just start to get the lay of the land a little bit. And, I, and I'd say, you know, depending on what your aspirations are, start to look towards what they're wearing. Um, and then, oh, okay, they're wearing this and they're, they're representing themselves like that. Um, we could set aside client uh, facing calls. And then as my career evolved, you know, I definitely got the feedback. Hey, you know, you need to dress more better and more better. And, and I, was, I was thought I was doing that, um, <laughs> but I wasn't doing the three piece this and the style and this and that. And, and, and I think what it, you know, the, who you are as a creative person, and I'm, I'm speaking from the creative side because I'm on the creative side of the industry, but it's almost like there's a lot of things that make up who you are and, you know, being stylish and wearing, you know, the latest and greatest outfits says something about who you are, right? Um, dressing a little more casual makes you more approachable, makes you this, makes you that, you know? So I think there are different elements to that, um, but what's going to tr trump, oh, we can't even see that anymore. Um, when it's going to over escalate all those or go above those is who you are as a person and your kindness. And, and if you're easy to work with, are you a nice person? Are you, are you collaborative live collaborative? Um, cause I think that no matter what you look, when it, you look like, look, let's presume you're able to put pants on, you know, now all bets are off. Everyone's most people are on zoom. It's remote. It's this, it's that nobody knows what's going on, you know, the bottom, but I think you want to, you want to not stand out in a bad way. But what I will also say is that, you know, I've got, I'm sure I've gone to TEA events and I've worn some sort of goofy shirt. And then people say, oh, hey, I love that ride. Or, oh, that's, I love that shirt. So there's just like, you never really even know, you know? So I think the best thing is to be who you are yourself and you're going to attract the people that you're wanting to attract anyway um, in regards to that. Uh, never be sloppy and never be too drunk at parties. Um, Robin, any, <laughs> anything else about prison? Never be. You might want to say that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a real issue that faces our industry. You know, we're, you know, you've, you've been to the IAPAs and, um, <laughs> you know, the, there is a lo lot of alcohol and things like that. Anything about that? That's all part of your personal branding. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So much about that. Oh, man. I've, I've had to um, counsel employees or, um, <laughs> go through many steps um, about exactly what you just said, which is, you know, decorum, right? Decorum is important and you need to be able to read the room. And that's why um, emotional intelligence in general is critical, right? You need to be able to kind of switch it up based on the environment uh, that you're in at that moment. And so always think about that. And, and if you know people that you trust, that you can uh, lean on and glean different things from when it comes to this, ask that person that you know and trust. Um, hopefully that's someone, uh, you know, that is close to you that will be very honest with you about certain things. Uh, but that's an avenue that is, is is extremely important for you to understand, especially in this industry. We like to have a good time. And that is amazing and appreciated. Um, but you have to have some good decorum overall. Um, so please just, you know, we can talk more about that, I think, later. But just just practice good decorum when it comes to those things. To, That's to my get back, HR to word. Get back, to get back to the, to the dress the dress code thing, um, I think, uh, Patrick, you were talking about, you know, reading the room and, and figuring out, like, you know, who, who to uh, – 
and uh, who, who, you know, who's dressed to maybe emulate? I was thinking like dress for the job that you want. Even if you have, you know, you're already in the office and you already, you know, have a job, you know, your, you know, associate creative director, art director, whatever, like, you know, what is the creative director wearing? What are the senior producers wearing? You know, maybe edge towards that a little bit, I would say, maybe. Yeah, I like that, too. Um, dressing just for the success that you want. Mm -hmm. uh, but put your own flair on it. Right. Like still be you throughout that entire process. See, Don't like I dress, I dress, like a, I dress like a serious artist. So clearly, <laughs> <laughs> I wear all black all the time with a graphic tee. <laughs> well, that te is really pretty. It's it looks pink to me. So tea. you can obviously do colors. What are you talking about? Look, like, colors are our friends. <laughs> mm. I have a really quick story to tell about. Um, um, trusted friends uh, giving you advice on what to uh, what to do and what not to do. So I don't I know Patrick probably remember remembers, but Trevor probably doesn't. I used to wear these crazy boots called New Rock New Rock boots. They're like big punk rock boots. Even as a, as like you know, I, I stopped wearing them. I guess uh, five or six years ago, uh, and one of the reasons i stopped was because um number one jason mcmanus and i hope he's watching because this this is ties directly to him he um he started going around and spreading the rumor that i was actually a street fighter and i had to wear <laughs> those boots uh in case i randomly and you know got into a fight with somebody um and i had to be prepared and then also when we were at iapa one year he uh overheard some other vendors from you know podunk idaho or whatever uh talking about me and my boots and they were like they're looking at one of those uh, some kind of corrective shoes mm. <laughs> and i was just like okay that's it i'm done i'm not wearing those in professional settings anymore at all even though it was part of my whole ensemble well you're and you're you're a, you're like me you're a tall guy so yeah. we're already are you like six yeah. four six five i forget how tall you actually are no i'm like five eleven now oh but, um, okay and I, the boots though you're you're eight feet that's what i'm with, with the boots i mean the, my boots had like four inch platforms on them wow. and so it put me up at like six two six three like towering over most people but that wasn't it it was just they were so extreme and and yeah unusual and you know like i could you know play it off as like oh i'm a eccentric composer type or like whatever but like that's not the kind of person a lot of like engineers and project managers and senior producers are comfortable dealing with mm -hmm. you know, they, they want the carl johnsons of the world who look like they just got off the golf course yeah my god but that's the work that we have to do as, yeah. as employers and um i feel like you know just with everything from this culture shift, right, that we're experiencing at the same time that we're experiencing this pandemic, a lot of companies are starting to like wake up to the idea that what used to be may not necessarily get us to where we need to be. And um, I know, you know, we're, we're, I'm hoping we will continue to do some, some real self-reflection when it comes to that. Employees, potential employees should also do that. Always, like look within and that's why emotional intelligence is really important because what's the one thing that is consistent is that change is going to happen and so there's a lot of work that companies have to have to do in order to 
kind of get over that hump when, especially when it comes to appearances. And and I know it's not IAPA season, but I think like what's really important is is like you know, never be the most drunk person in your group and travel in groups <laughs> so that you know where you're at. Uh, <laughs> like, <"Ey." laughs> um, and you know it's it and you know you know your limits. I mean, it's I don't I don't I don't, I don't it's, yeah it's decorum. It's wanting to know that person is able to maintain themselves. Um, and I mean, I've, I've gotten inebriated at every IAPA that I've been to, but you keep it together, you know, and you don't, I mean, hopefully I don't show it. You're not like, hey, everybody, what's going on here? I've actually, I've actually gotten really good at keeping it together at IAPA now. Um, I have, you know. By not attending rules for everything now but like but like man the the tea uh, like i came home with so many business cards of people i have no memory of talking to but like iapa is a marathon you know yeah. Yeah. Thea's yeah. is a sprint <laughs> yeah. well, so we're talking about that though so i mean getting you know, moving on to even just networking so i want to talk about like virtual networking of course with you know the different events that associations are holding and specifically LinkedIn, like cold contacting, but um, since we're already talking about it, in-person uh, networking, aside from handling yourself and being in control of yourself, um, what else should be, because I, I mean, recruiters obviously go to these mixers as well, but when we're trying to talk to people that are, you know, colleagues, coworkers, uh, ideally, you know, superiors, you know, if they were to hire us, what are just some general advice? And we've talked about this in a previous show, I want to say like a year or a year and a half ago, but just like, in person as a as a a either someone who's looking for work or has a job and just for the you know future work what are the tips of how to handle yourself in person in person so just in general embracing uh networking is critical right um grow your network be intentional about doing that reach out to uh, the people that you already know that are in the industry and maybe well-developed on LinkedIn and other social media uh, platforms um, and try to make that connection so that when you go to the in-person event, you at least have an in a doorway to say, hey, we just connected on LinkedIn. Thank you for accepting mm -hmm. my connection and spark up a conversation. Like that's one of the best ways to like get your yourself like in the in front of someone that uh, maybe is a thought leader or a just an overall leader within the industry that you're trying to tap into. So those connections through LinkedIn could be a real lifesaver for you. I've utilized that tool a couple times myself, um, especially mm -hmm. when I was in a place where I didn't know a lot of people. Like that was my my avenue. I saw someone that I knew I was connected with, and maybe I've commented or. Uh, they've maybe commented on some of my posts and I was like, thank you for commenting. And that was my end. And then I met four new people that have helped kind of shift some things for me. And so mm -hmm. you never know where that uh, opportunity is going to come. So it's very important to, to put yourself out there, grow your network um, and be intentional. Just overall, be intentional about it. I had yeah, a, uh, oh, sorry, oh my gosh. Well, this is just a quick anecdote and it happened last week. So, I felt, I honestly felt really bad about this moment because this is someone who was like one of the first people that I met when I was beginning to network in the industry seven and a half years ago through LinkedIn. It was somebody who worked at a previous company and him and I got together for a coffee and I, I reached out to that person several times since that date, never heard back from them. They since left that company and had gone off to another company. So I haven't spoke 
or mm-hmm. actively spoken with or seen the person in seven and a half years. They were at they're, they're at this new company and um, ran into them at a, an industry mixer last week. Um, and ha- I had separately applied to a job at that company and then was found out that that person who had gone to that company was now the person who was going to be hiring for that role. I'm talking to him completely admittedly like it's been a number of years his appearance has slightly changed um mm-hmm. and i've met hundreds of people in other areas of my life since then he remembered me i guess um i completely forgot that we had met and it was just an uphill climb at that point and i just walked away going well that's a job i'm not getting oh, well <laughs> I, I had a fun fact about 85 percent of jobs that are filled are filled through networking yeah. Think about it. 85%. It's all about who you know. Right. So, again, we can have the most amazing resume and the coolest um, uh, uh, website and LinkedIn profile. But 85% of jobs that are filled are filled through networking. So yeah. you may have struck out then and that's OK. <laughs> <laughs> but keep doing it. I promise you um, the last even this current uh, company with with Animax. Um, I think the last three to four positions that I've landed, I, I didn't necessarily apply to a position. I uh, was reached out to either via LinkedIn or through some type of networking event. Um, mm. And that's how I landed my last three jobs. So like, it's it's a game changer. It really is. You I, have I, to I've, I've never landed a job in this industry off of a website. Yeah, a hundred percent of my jobs that I've ever gotten were through <laughs> recommendations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to, Trevor, I want to give you a very specific advice that I learned a long time ago. And, and it stuck with me. I was working on, I was, it was one of our old TEA events back in 2009 and 2010, Andy. And I just said, oh, it's nice to meet you to somebody. And they're like, oh, oh we, we met last year. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay sorry. I go, ooh, I didn't kiss the ring. Uh, nice guy. Um, and so from then on, I just said, oh, nice to see you. Because no matter what, it's always nice to see somebody. That's what um, I always so, say too. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I highly recommend you you doing that, Trevor. Um, yep. <laughs> with that from here on out. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I have I've been reached. I mean, um, you know, look, I'm big on, I'm huge on LinkedIn. I, I'm I'm posting. I'm this. I'm commenting. I'm I'm this and that. And you know, the amount LinkedIn is is an amazing tool for everybody watching out there. Some people are watching on LinkedIn right now the amount of unprecedented access that people have is unbelievable um, to just seeing, like if I was a kid or I was in the nineties and I could like look at, you know, an Imagineer's profile, oh my, find out what people do, just type in Imagineering and see all these people, not that Imagineering, there's a lot of people who are Imagineering that are on LinkedIn, but if there were, you know, it's, it's at least a stepping stone into how to find out more information about the industry. So it's, it's an incredible tool um, that everybody has. And I've, um, an, a, a senior vice president that I used to work with, you know, he, you know, he said, Hey, I, I always accept every single LinkedIn request I get. And that always stuck out to me. It's like, you know, what? look, I don't know who they are. I don't care. I'll accept it. Um, and you know, I've, I've cold messaged executives from Disney and had, who took me out to lunch, um, after just like a, Hey, you know, this and that and the other, People are willing to, to do that. Um, now things have changed. Now it's more of a virtual Zoom thing. Getting somebody out to lunch is probably the craziest thing that'll ever happen. Trevor hasn't even, I didn't, Trevor's been to Orlando like three times in the past four months. 
we haven't gotten together, right? But I will Zoom with you, but trying to get people to go physical is a little challenging. Um, yeah. But the but okay. if you come at it in the right way, and you might be asking yourself, how do I do that, right? Well, just don't ask people for anything. Say, hey, you know, thanks for connecting. Love to chat when you have a chance. Love to send questions or love to just chat about your story. Um, the time to do that was over the last two years when people were not really busy. Now people are a little bit busier, so it's a little bit more challenging. Um, but anybody can probably do, if you say, hey, do you mind chatting for 15, 20 minutes over Zoom? Most people are, are, a lot of people who are connected are willing to do that. And I know, Trevor, you're networking like crazy right now. Um, but if you if you kind of send too much information or I hate business to business emails or LinkedIn messages, I, I hate them oh. on my profile, please do not send me this. And I accept the request. Hey, I'd love to chat with you about your, you know, your extended warranty. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm not here to do that. Um, but that's all that was, that was a bit of a ramble. But but the cold call, Trevor, you've had a lot of success with the cold call. It's cold call now it's digital, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that was honestly that was how I started with yeah. uh, with being involved in themed entertainment was at, in 2015 when I, I uh, left um, an entertainment job that I had for a few years and wanted to change industries that I just got on LinkedIn and I added, cause at the time I knew nothing. So I was like Imagineering, that was literally all I knew. So I added the like 10 people that were second degree connections from there and of those and amount said yes. And then that literally just kept on growing until I added everybody I could. And then that spilled over into, you know, the Bizarks, BRC, Padamos, Thinkwell that spilled into being able to connect with, with everybody else. And I literally just, I did exactly what Patrick's talking about. I got together for coffees, lunches, dinners, drinks with anybody who'd give me the time of day above even just a virtual interaction. And then um, that gave me honestly my whole education on themed entertainment. So aside from networking, I, I just generally learned a lot from, you know, uh, I feel like every discipline across the industry, but then also top to bottom. Like I, at, at the time, you know, Craig Russell was, you know, one of two people running WDI and I got, I got time with him. It was crazy. I like, I could not believe that it worked. Very good. Just to kind of add to that, you know, the power of LinkedIn, which is so powerful is that make sure we talked about earlier, right? Like getting your resume formatted and, and, Get your get your headline formatted. Some people, and I don't mean to call people out by by name, but like, if you have some sort of like, hey, I'm a whimsical visionary, this in your headline, people are literally going to searches and looking for project managers, or looking for producers, or looking to that. So try to be specific in in your headline, as well. And Robin, I'm not sure if you have any com way to comment on that. Uh, you know, in general, like how do people kind of best practices in building out your headline, and what should you you be posting? I have some thoughts, but I don't want to completely dominate every conversation, but what, you know, how do you, how do you kind of, what, what should your LinkedIn persona be? How would you react, be on LinkedIn if you were looking for a job right now? No, I think that's a, a really great question. And I'm actually interested in hearing your thoughts on that. Um, you know, I, I feel like, especially being in HR, we are looking for such a variety of people. And so I've seen it work in many ways. Yes, you can be very eclectic or uh, creative in that pitch, in that comment, but um, honestly, it's not always necessary, right, uh, to have this one liner that's this tag that is the most creative. It's it's more about the meat that's there for me from an from a from an HR perspective, from a hiring perspective. Um, so I'm actually more interested in 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 you as a hiring manager for different roles. What are, what are you looking for when you're looking on LinkedIn profiles, Patrick? Yeah, and for me, you know, this is the interesting thing. It's kind of like, what have you done for us lately? It's mm -hmm. it has to do with 
And this is all kind of in, in, in tan, you know, together with email. Um, now it's not necessarily your email and your contacts, but you're posting on LinkedIn. And we know there's algorithms with that. But are you adding value? Are you sharing things that are intriguing? Um, I still say that like LinkedIn is the most underutilized platform because people don't know what to do with it. Um, but if you have some sort of point of view and you're sharing information on it, uh, and I find that interesting and intriguing, you know, that's, that's great. You know, and, and, and Andy had talked about a little bit about how, um, you know, Jason was posting, uh, celebrating, oh, I can't believe I have this job and things like that. That's great. You know, and, and others, uh, you know, David Edmonds is kind of posting his thoughts, but like just anything that'll, that'll get some, that you're adding value to people, uh, I think is going to be very helpful, um, with that. And, and this is what I also want to say is, uh, you know, I've been, I've been in a position where I've been looking for different designers for different projects and different things uh, of that nature. And uh, like the people that posted the most of their work on LinkedIn are the people that are top of my mind that, mm -hmm. oh, that's that person is that great. And then I find out that they left the industry. I'm like, well, shoot. Uh, <laughs> but, it's, but it's like those people who were posting their work. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 I, and I think when it comes to people following up, the amount of follow-up that I've received over the last two years has been almost like 0% from people who reached out, wanted to talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Um, and it's, it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, you know, the people that were willing to step forward and, and kind of I was able to work with, whether, you know, it's the Trevor, Charlie's and, or CJ's and um, et cetera, all the people on our network who were kind of really willing to get their feet wet. Those are the people I'm first going to to say, hey, how can I, I know how they work. I know how they're doing this. I know how to do that versus somebody who said, hey, I really wanted to talk to you. And then I, I haven't had any updates mm -hmm. about what they're up to. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if they're alive. I don't know if they're in the industry. And all that stuff starts to add up. And, and, I, and it can be weird. You don't know how do I talk about myself. If you send me an email and say, hey, just so you know, I did this cool project. Nobody does that. But if I saw that, I would look at it and go, oh, cool. Congratulations. You know, that, that were an awesome job. Um, I, I, would, I would do that if I was, if I was um, seeking a job right now, no matter what it was. And if you don't have anything to show, start creating things to show. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's the other part is, I, you know, I, I, I've been looking at portfolios and, I, you know, a lot of the stuff is behind kind of the NDA back, backlog. And it's like, okay, well, get out of your NDA world and start creating stuff for your portfolio um and, and you know so i, I don't know that was kind of a, like a nonsensical rant but robin what no, do you think no no i i think you're kind of onto something um and i agree even you know to kind of uh, continue with what you were saying even if you don't have your own content go to someone else's page who have some has similar content yeah. and and engage you know make a comment um share that post it doesn't always necessarily have to be your own but be intentional. At the end of the day, if you're being intentional, even if you don't have anything brand new to share that you just created, go and engage someone who just created something and talk about, you know, what made that cool and what that process was for them. Um, because you're going to just continue to connect with all those people that are on that person's page as well. So it's going to give you an even broader audience, maybe reach out to some of that person's um, connections to try to connect with as well. Um, there are ways that you can do that while you may be in a lull for the work that you're doing. So I absolutely um, agree with what you were saying, Patrick. Um, again, it's just be intentional, right? If it's something that you really want, do the work to make it happen. Be intentional.
We have a comment here. Uh, the industry connections really engage with my LinkedIn post, but DM a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <clears throat> um, and, and it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because on LinkedIn, you know, I don't know who, how often people are checking LinkedIn, um, versus DMS. I mean, I, I have email, I have LinkedIn messages to people offering them work that are unresponded right now. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know how to handle that. Um, uh, it's true, Trevor. I know it's, it, it is I, Trevor had a shock space for those who are listening on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, why? I, I don't know. Um, see, I, see I, I get if I get an email uh, with a notification of somebody DM me, I'm like, oh, someone DM yeah. me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that happens once uh, every year or two. And, and one thing that that Trevor really uh, touched on that was a really important point. Uh, I know we're going on like hour one or hour two here, but I can talk about this for three hours. Uh, we're not going to do that, Robin. We're not going to hold hold you hostage. <laughs> um, is <clears throat> When I, when I, my personal career journey is that the first um, theme entertainment thing I did was the, the Thea Awards with Andy, and I think 2008, 2009. And that was 11. the starting, was it, was it 11? Oh, sorry, what was that, Andy? Yeah, 11. Okay. So from then, I met people then that I, I now collaborate with or come across. And so, like, you're networking, like the networking Trevor's doing, the networking I did, the networking Andy does. That's going to be, you never know when that's going to pay off. And I say pay off, but it's not cynical. It's just, you're going to keep up people's mind. You just want to keep on people's minds of, Hey, you exist. You're still around. And LinkedIn is a perfect way to do that is, you know, posting some sort of picture, uh, a comment, um, and, and celebrate. You, it's, it's free to be positive, totally free to be positive. Yeah. And, and be careful, right? Because we know there's a lot of uh, information sharing on LinkedIn and you, there is no separation these days when it comes to whether you're posting on LinkedIn or some other social media site. Anything that you say, be comfortable with uh, those things following you around, right? So, so be be careful when it comes to certain messages. But you're absolutely right, Patrick. Those connections, you you don't know when they're going to pay off, and that's why it's important to continue to engage. It's important to um, you know put yourself out there because. When I think of my next opportunity that I think will be great for Trevor or Andy or Patrick, I'm going to reach out to you guys because of the connections that we've made uh, throughout the industry on LinkedIn. And sometimes someone doesn't even know that they're looking for you. But if you make a comment and they see that, oh, that's right, Trevor's the person who did this or do, let me reach out to Trevor. That's happened so many times. Again, it's all about being intentional and say that like a thousand times. <laughs> so. You know, I think being authentic too is important. Uh, you talk about intention and all that. And, you know, um, I think that it's really important to be yourself and to, to not approach networking as like, you know, nodes of nodes of a network necessarily, you know, to like get work and get money, you know, and have a career. But like, I, I think that I've had a lot of success. I'd like to think I have at least uh, by approaching it and like thinking about networking is like making friends, you're, you're making new friends, you know, and uh, you know, I prefer to work with people that I'm friends with rather than just like randos who just look at me as like a number on a spreadsheet, you know? So true. It, I mean, you could mm -hmm. just, you can be who you're going to be when you're around those people who you know and trust. So mm -hmm. no truer words have ever been spoken. Anymore. And especially in the creative field, like, you know, I, you know, I have to have very, you know, deep, often philosophical discussions about emotions and um, feelings and, 
you know, um, cultural touchstones and things like that with people for, for my work is like, you know, as a composer and music producer, like I'm a, an emotions interpreter. And if I can't be comfortable and open with the people and the clients that I'm working for, then we can't have those conversations and then I can't do my job effectively. So like I have to be open and authentic with all of the clients that I work with. And, and so it's best to start by being friends with these people. And that helps a lot with the, the work and the relationships. Um, one of the things, and I, I said this last week, um, and it's really funny because uh, Kira, who was on last week, she just texted me about this. Um, the the What she had texted me was, uh, and sorry, Kira, if you did not want me to say this publicly, but I think that it's a valid point that um, <laughs> the idea, the balance of uh bothering people versus um the reaching out to them through linkedin um to, i'd say linkedin would probably be the only way you should do it if it's really just a like a professional connection um that it's not necessarily a bad thing to do if it is not too frequent which you kind of got away um but also um as a uh, someone at wdi told me back when i first started networking he's like if you're going to reach out to people just make sure that you have something to report that there has to be some kind of a change. Like, don't hit them up about every single little thing. But maybe, it, it, it honestly, I, I, for me personally, I've experienced that it's depending on the relationship. I have certain people who I hope that they hire me someday, but I have the kind of relationship with them at this point that I can text them and it's okay. And then there's mm -hmm. other people where once a quarter, I will send them an email if there's something to report and I will just give them hey, uh, an update and ask them how they're doing, what the latest is with them and leave it at that. Um, but I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think every little thing is like, is definitely worth it. Um, I mean, I've gone from uh, when I first was doing all, uh, the bulk of my LinkedIn networking, uh, where now I've gotten to like 2,500 some connections. That's like, but I've now like, it's boiled down to where I have probably a few dozen people that at this point are the ones that I will actively keep up with um or of everybody will be the more frequent of of uh, who you come up with and then everybody else will be a little you know a little more sparse um so there's that uh but then even when it comes to and this is this is kind of sad that uh, i feel that it's a little sad is the idea of like being your own marketing machine that there are times when i'm posting something on linkedin that i know that i'm doing it gratuitously hoping that linkedin's algorithms will kick it up and put me in people's feeds. Like I had um, a day where I posted a screen grab of the uh, screen credit that I got on the Jungle Cruise film. So I was working for the producers on it. Little brag there. Um, but anyway, so I posted this on LinkedIn and somehow over the course of the next week, it got like 10,000 views. Um, and it is like, for some reason, that one thing just kicked up, but everything else is like, you know, you get like a couple hundred and that's it. I don't know what it was about that one. Um, but, you know, like the idea of like, oh, I'm going to use, use hashtags or I'm going to mention organizations or people. And I just I've personally found it to feel very um, self-promoting, gratuitous and and I mean, disingenuous because um, it's like I, I just feel like I'm doing it just so that hopefully I stay in people's radar. And it, it feels to me, it feels wrong. Well, mm. I, I so that's first off, <clears throat> my highest posting ever was when I announced that I was consulting for Storyline Studio. I got like. Same with you, right? 10,000 views. I think that people want to celebrate other people on LinkedIn. So I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't be so self-conscious about that because it's just like, hey, look at this. This is cool. Or I'm, I'm proud to be here. I'm happy to be here. And then I'm sure in that post you showed gratitude to others. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember it. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember exactly what you said. 
That's kind of what LinkedIn is for, it, but it's not about like congratulating yourself because you, you know, you went for a walk around the block, but hey, come celebrate, you know what I mean? But that was a real achievement you had. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. In regards to following up, this is the biggest question. Versus somebody following up every month and just saying, hey, how's it going versus somebody who doesn't follow up. You want to be the person that's following up every month. Um, I think the crux of the situation goes right back to what Robin was saying. Read the room, have the social cues. If somebody responds back to you and says, hey, um, hey, you know, just kind of worked on this cool little pro or saw this article, thought of you and they don't reply. Probably not a great lead. Uh, if somebody says, oh, hey, thanks for sharing, you know, hope all's well, that's probably a good lead to nurture. Um, so you just have to be mindful of that. Um, like I said, the amount of follow-up I've had over the past two years from people, almost zero. I don't know why. I can't speak to it. I, I, I would love to have people banging on my door every other day saying, hey, I'd love to chat with you. And I have a few people that want to chat, but mostly it's like business development thing and things like that. And I'm just like, eh, I don't have time for that. Um, so I don't know where all the people are. Um, it, could be, it could be hard. They don't want to be turned down. But I, I'd rather I'd, it's, it's always a no unless you ask. Um, you know, Trevor. So every month is pretty frequent. Every quarter, like you're doing with an update, that's great. Uh, no, I'm never going to look at somebody. I mean, it's kind of funny, even embarrassingly. Sometimes I'll like need to, or like not need. I want to reach out to somebody. I'm like, oh, I left you unread from two years ago. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing? Uh, nice to talk to you. I'm uh, good to see you. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, and I kind of want to piggyback, Trevor. Um, I, I, I completely understand. You don't want to ever be disingenuous, right, with the things that you're posting. Um, but Patrick is right. That's literally what LinkedIn is for. So it's okay to pat yourself on the back. I don't think it was um, unauthentic when you posted it. And that's great that it got picked up by 10,000, you know, 10,000 views. Um, I, it's, if you're not doing that every single day or every third, man, I see some people that post something that is click worthy or <laughs> clickbait itself every like hour sometimes. And I'm like, like, that's exhausting. I don't know what you're doing that you get to do that all day long. But I, I don't think you should be as self-conscious about that. It's OK to be intentional in getting um, your uh, accomplishments out. For the world to see so please continue to do that i'm telling you that information is impactful and that's how you continue to grow your network please keep doing that um <laughs> what's most annoying um, is what patrick was also talking about earlier when he mentioned a lot of those business to business i my message board my uh dms are flooded with those as a hiring manager as a director of hr i'm not playing i probably get 10 to 15 per day so if somebody has sent me yeah. a message and I didn't, maybe I didn't even see the message, a follow up on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis will trigger me. Oh, you reached out to me. So I may not have responded because I have 10 to 15 additional business to business messages in my inbox on a daily basis. So sometimes that silence isn't intentional towards you as someone that's looking for work. It's simply we missed it because we are being flooded with a thousand different messages that are useless to us. So continue to do that as well. That is going to help anyone that's out there looking right now. And I think month a monthly cadence is okay, but like we talked about already, read the room. If you're never getting a response and you've sent three messages, you know, in, 
in the three month time frame, maybe that's not the avenue for you. And that's okay. Find a different horse and, and go ride that one. So yeah, um, just keep all of that in mind. Just some 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 suggestions from someone who is flooded on a daily basis with nonsensical messages from <laughs> recruiters and yeah. all, I mean all types of people all day long yeah, trying yeah. to sell me. <laughs> so <laughs> um to since we're settling comfortably in um social media just interaction i mean aside from linkedin i think that talking also about twitter instagram and facebook are definitely uh things to pull into the dialogue before getting uh solidly in that area um the little bit of things that i feel like is actual fact that I, at least i can contribute in in here is um uh not that i've done this i've not done this which is now that i've said as a disclaimer you're not going to believe me but using <laughs> industry mixers and events and LinkedIn for dating. Don't do it. Everybody don't do it. This is like, that's like the number two thing to know after control yourself when you're at, you know, events and and drinking in that. Um, It's so gross. It (laughs) is so gross. Like that's the, it's just gross. Don't do it. That's all I'm going to say to you. Read the room. Read the room. Read the room. Like, you know, the, the old the old colloquialism, don't shit where you eat. Thank you. I mean, it, it, it is, it, I'd say that, you know, reading the room is very important. And also you're going to make friendships with people and you're going to, you know, there is something to grabbing arms and saying, hey, we're all in this together. We're all growing up with these people. But these people will be with the industry for the rest of your <laughs> the rest of your career, um, which is even also uh, you know important of not of, of making sure that you you know you're mindful of that. Um, but there's been there's been marriages that are born out of this industry too, right? So, um, but it's always just good advice to keep it keep it together. Uh, Trevor, what do we have next? Social media. media. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so um, definitely tying in, you know, the Instagram and the Twitter and all that. So, this is going to be anything covering just, you know, general like people, you know, posting their vacation pictures, uh, industry news, but then also, especially this past week, politics. politics. Things that I feel like, you know, when it comes to something specifically like the abortion debate, you know, I feel like you know the vast majority of our industry kind of thinks along the same lines. Um, but then there are topics that, you know, even within this industry, people don't. So, how? What, what are like tips and guidelines uh, for kind of being cognizant of what to post, how to post, um, how much somebody might post um, just to before launching into that, even just like for myself, these last six months that I've been um, going about my own intentional job search um, uh, operating out of Chicago, I've been traveling to back to L- uh, Los Angeles and down to Anaheim for industry events to meet people the things that I tend to post most on something like Instagram are, you know, aside from those events, while I'm there for, you know, a few days, I'll end up, you know, having a day trip with a friend who's a cast member and we get signed into the parks and we're just kind of having, you know, a day off and relaxing. And I feel like, well, I shouldn't say I feel, I know I've had some feedback from people where they feel like, oh, you're just living your best life. You're just like flying around the country and going to theme parks and just having cocktails and stuff, you know, things must be really good. And I'm like, well, actually, no, that was just my day off. I'm in town to meet people in order to hopefully, you know, make some solid connections and, and, you know, gain employment out of that. Um, So I've had to kind of do some, some retcon work on that, like to the point that I actually had to, I had to post, I felt like I had to post something that was basically a disclaimer for people um, about my life right now. Because perception is reality. So much. Yeah. 
And and I, I just just to comment on that, I had a a, a friend, um, and I've been I mean we I've been through stretches of unemployment, and like yeah, you you go and you try to enjoy your life a little bit, and then people are like, hey, why are you? I thought you were unemployed. Why are you at Disneyland? It's like well, because I'm trying to stay sane. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to you know do that. Um, so Robinette, social media, mm-hmm. um, it's a hot topic. Lots to unpack there. Yes. I'm you know. I'll just kind of tell a story. I was when the the January 6th insurrection happened, I was disgusted by how many people were not commenting on it on social media, which is to say, I thought that like storming the Capitol would be something that universally people would be pretty upset about. And just people in the industry with, you know, big Twitter following. I mean, I'm I'm mostly active on Twitter when in the industry, like no commentary and LinkedIn. Okay. LinkedIn's LinkedIn. That's not really a place to do it. But Twitter, like you'd think they'd be like, hey not cool uh but no and i'm like why even bother having a platform so i i went through a whole thing about that being really pissed mm-hmm. um in regards to what the what happened and the violence against women on friday i'm just in a state of shock i don't even know how to react to that situation um, mm-hmm. i'm still kind of unpacking it and I, I know a lot of people out there are feeling helpless um and that's that's a whole three-hour discussion that we're probably not qualified to have. But how, in regards to employment and the idea that oh, that hiring manager, maybe they 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 they're happy on Friday, or maybe they're this, or maybe they're that. Mm-hmm. It's a really murky, dark, crazy water where yeah, the marketing like you want to be your authentic self, but also you you're trying to get a job. You know, yeah. how do you manage that, Robinette? Look, there's no separation. Problems. <laughs> no, I know, right? Let's do it. No, there, there's no separation. And we kind of talked about that very briefly earlier. This, so first, know that anything that you're posting, sharing, commenting on is visible for anybody to see. And you need to live in a reality world where you are comfortable with whatever that's going to, however that could or could not affect you. So let's just be real about that. I can't speak for every hiring manager or every person in HR. I do want people to be their most authentic selves. I like to see who you are outside of LinkedIn. Um, and so we navigate in, on uh, candidates' uh, pages on a regular basis if they're public pages for people to see. Um, because we do want to, we kind of want to, we want to know who the people are that we are hiring. Um, we never ever use it as a, 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 a mode to necessarily uh, say a, a hard no for a candidate, um, but we do consider those things, and we're everybody. We're all people, so we're flawed and, and and not perfect when it comes to those things. So just just know that going into it, be careful and know that there could be a result to something that you're posting. But the advice that I always give people is, you know, I am very active socially. Um, and so I will uh, comment. I will not engage negatively or in like a Twitter battle with someone. I won't go back and forth with them. So I encourage people to do what I do, right, which is state the facts, um, make whatever comment I'm going to make, never insult. Uh, because if you are engaged in healthy debate with someone, to me, that's a plus. We can go back and forth here at work about something that we need to debate. And maybe you have a better solution than I do on that thing. So to me, that kind of shows me the type of person that you're going to be. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not, um, you know, 
name calling and doing a lot of the things that people instantly jump into um, where they're completely discrediting someone um, simply because they have an opposing opinion um, is not it's not okay. And to me, that's the sign of someone who is who has uh, no empathy and absolutely um, no awareness. They can't read the room, so they have no emotional intelligence. And so those are the things that we're looking for from a company perspective. Do you have emotional intelligence? Can you engage with someone who, um, who, who views life or the world differently than you do? To me, that's a plus. I don't need you to agree with everything that I do um, or that I say or that I believe. I need to know that you have uh, the ability to be who you are um, and that you have your own values and morals and you're willing to stand behind them, mm. but still be open to, to you know, other possibilities. So be careful is what I'm going to say. <laughs> be careful. It's, it's an interesting thing you pointed out is that I, 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 like, I like to debate and I like that, that whole philosophy. Um, but I, I never go into the fallacies. You know, there's several different ways of, you know, name calling or discrediting <laughs> the person or, you know, and because it, to me, it's like, okay, that's not a debate anymore. Like, let's debate the facts and the facts. So very interesting that you pointed that out, that you would actually look at that and say, oh, this is somebody who can maybe think critically and be a value add to the company. Um, so so with that, you know, there's probably a, a spectrum of ways that people can communicate themselves. You know, I, I'll just kind of get, I, I don't know if it's right or wrong. Um, I, I, I think we you know i don't want to do the both sides but yeah there's there's radical there can be potential people on both sides that are mean-spirited and i don't think anybody really wants to be working with that now i don't want to discredit the fact that we're going through some really tough stuff right now um to, for uh, that's an understatement um but I've, I've been made privy to people who are prominent and have will have said posts that were um what I would agree with that were vitriolic that turned people off. Mm -hmm. And then it comes to a point of, well, you're turning people off, but you may also be turning people on um, because they see that. And then that grabs attention. So it's like, it's honestly like, who knows? I don't know. I post this, I post that you got to be yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's kind of, that's kind of what it is. And, and if you're yourself is to your point, I think you have really important feedback. If you're attacking people, personally attacking people, no, no, nobody should be doing that. Mm -hmm. And and I always look at, I used to look at politics back in my naive days of like, look, people all have the same idea of being good natured people. It's just we have different ways of getting to that conclusion and different philosophies on on how to get there and who should be doing what to get there. Now it's a little, it's a lot grayer and mm -hmm. the stakes are higher than they've ever been in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that's all of our lifetimes. We're all kind of in the same that, that bracket. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot. I would say if you post something and it draws attention, you're probably attracting people. Maybe you're putting people off, but maybe you're putting those people off that you wouldn't want to work with anyway. Exactly. exactly. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know uh, if you're a kind person and, and you know, uh, I consider myself a humanist and just loving and accepting and treating everyone with kindness. Maybe that can bear out uh, in the political field. What do you think, I mean, exactly what I what I said earlier. You just have to be comfortable with whatever that impact of whatever you're posting is going to be, and it's okay to be there. Like it's really okay. I am very comfortable with my morals, my values, the things that I stand for, 
Um, and I'm vocal about those things. I'm pretty loud about those things. I'm unapologetically um, uh, black, right? Like, and I'm going to always celebrate that. That doesn't mean I'm discrediting anybody else for who they are. It simply means that I'm unapologetically black and I'm going to shout it to the roof. Um, and so that is, that's, that's, that's not a negative thing, but that's going to turn some people away because of how they feel. So I'm not going to take their baggage and put it on my shoulders with my posts. I'm going to put my posts out there. If it draws attention, um, it draws attention. If there's an impact, I'm okay with what that impact is going to be. So you have to be okay with that whether that's something that is negative or positive for yourself. And so you need to live in the reality of what that means for yourself and just keep it moving. That's all you can do. Well, I'm over here. Like I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm following you on social media to get all these posts. That you're posting. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm also a mom first. So I don't post as frequently as I like, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I'm pretty vocal. <laughs> right on. Well, as uh, uh, we're hitting an hour and a half here, and I feel like we should, uh, we could go on forever, but let's wrap this up. So I feel like, uh, I mean, I definitely got a lot of good notes out here. I like that some of the recurring things that we talked about were about emotional intelligence, um, just reading the room, being self-aware. Um, I think that um, the idea of taking kind of like a self-assessment, a self-inventory and deciding like, what are the things about yourself that you want to be known for are definitely great ways to kind of have guideposts on an individual by individual basis of how you network, how you interact with people in person, virtually, how you um, how you go about your social media. Um, I know that I have my own guidelines about even like privacy settings on different platforms. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to the type of content that I post, you know, is this going to be posted as, a, as an Instagram story or will this be an Instagram post or so on and so forth. Um, just gave me a lot to think about. And again, we could keep on going, but we should not. Um, Robin, thank you so much for coming. This is awesome. Thank you for, for, for joining us, for taking the time to, to lend all your wisdom and advice and expertise. And I'm also going to be following you on all the platforms. Thank you so much for the invite. I have enjoyed our conversation and I'm serious. Invite me again. You know, my schedule sometimes is hard to get on, but um, I love doing this. I love talking to people and reaching people right where they are and meeting them right where they are to, to help in any way I can. So thank you for the invite. Yeah, I certainly learned a lot, you know, especially that I should probably uh, be more active on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, and also, it's like I say all this advice and I'm like, wait, when was the last time I posted on LinkedIn? So, yeah, it's, it's a process, right? It's a process. Yeah, my LinkedIn is, is, is very bare. I should probably rebuild that and, you know, yeah, you rather should, than yeah. linking to some PDF at Dropbox address, I should probably maybe <laughs> have, it, have it be a little bit more user friendly. <laughs> You're doing amazing, sweetie. No, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile right now. You are a full-service musical sound and production, media production. Is that a we'll do? A, we'll do another show with a case study of Andy's social media presence. That'd be great, and then Robin could come on and help me with my resume too. I got you. I got you. We have a lot of people, a lot of connections. Oh my gosh! Absolutely brilliant. Uh, well, uh, and in case uh, folks out there don't know, um, we do also do the uh, audio podcast version of our of our show here. So be looking out for that. I believe we have uh, Wednesdays those uh, episodes drop um, on all the usual platforms. Um, but otherwise, yeah, this was uh, this was great. Um, everybody, just hang around for a minute uh, as we wrap up here. But otherwise, um, 
Oh, just oh, let me ask you, Teddy, Ted's question. Let me ask you. Let me ask. Sorry, let me just. I worked for President Biden in other campaigns, and I want to highlight that I'm experienced, but I always hold back because I feel like it might cost me a job. Any advice, Robinette? Any any advice uh, on that? I hate to leave it hanging. I didn't see that until now. No, I'm, I'm, I hate that we didn't um, be unapologetic about the work that you've done. Yeah. The, exactly yeah. what we said before. If you're turning people off, those are people that you want to turn off. Be unapologetic mm -hmm. about the work that you've done, Teddy. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Back to you, Trevor. <laughs> I just saw that question. One more time with feeling. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Um, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Trevor. Bye, everybody.